Hey everyone, I'm Ian Skura. And I'm Emily Hickmott. And welcome back to The Beat. This week's question is... What's it like to play Quidditch at Tufts University? This week is the eighth episode of our new series um, where we've looked back at the histories of various Quidditch programs. Our guests this episode were Howie Levine, Mike Sanders, Ari Panzer, Finn McGargan, and Brooke and Jordan Smiley. And with that, let's jump right into some interviews. Our next guest is Howie Levine, who started uh, playing Quidditch at Tufts in his freshman year in 2009, as in he helped start the team and was both a captain and co-manager for his four years there. He played both chaser and keeper. He also played one year for the NYDC Capitalists. Um, He currently has a cat named Dumpling. So hi, Howie. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast. We're so excited to talk to you about Tufts Quidditch. Thanks so much, Emily. Excited to be here. Yeah, we're we're definitely excited to have you. Um, I feel like, so for our usual question here is kind of how you got involved in Quidditch um, and how you started playing Quidditch at Tufts. But I think for you, I I would ask a little differently, which is how did you end up at Tufts and how did you end up finding out about Quidditch and starting to put together a team there? Sure. So... Let's see, when I first got to Tufts in 2009, um, I guess I was like a wide-eyed, bushy-tailed freshman and was looking for activities and things to do. Um, And actually there was a, I guess, sophomore at the time, his name was Mike Walker, and he um, was starting the Quidditch team and it it had not previously existed. He was just starting it, I believe that semester. Um, He was wearing his bathrobe around as like a, a cloak to to you know advertise i suppose and um and so he was starting the team and there was you know a activities fair and there was a group of us and we all signed up and we went to practice and i think we brought our own we we're supposed to bring our own brooms like we had to like find like swiffers or other things to bring to this this practice i guess and um that's basically all I remember about the first semester, I would say, except then Mike Walker, who started the team, not to be confused with any other Mikes who played on Tufts Quidditch, um, transferred from Tufts back to, I think, Bard, where he used to go to school. Um, apparently, he really didn't like Tufts, but he liked it worse than he liked Bard, where he had transferred from originally. And um, And so he, like, I think sent like an email to a few other people, one of whom is Carly Boxer, who was a longtime team member and they kind of took over. And then I kind of jumped in the second semester to help out with things and, uh, and then stayed involved until I graduated. Yeah, and so what did you kind of feel like were some of the things that an early Quidditch team kind of struggled with starting out and what are some things that you felt like you guys did well in that early time? So I think the things that we struggled with, I mean, and in 2009, I think things were really different than the way they are now, you know, more than 10 years later, which is horrifying to say. And in terms of like, you know, there wasn't like kind of the standardized equipment and standardized kind of 
rule book and just everything that went with there was definitely a rule book and i don't want to be misstate that but just you know there wasn't like fully a, a pathway of exactly how this should be done you know there were all sorts of different hoop designs in terms of like choosing which hoop we would build out of pvc pipe and things like that and there wasn't a standardized you know pvc pipe you use as the broom equivalent and i apologize for whatever terminology i'm using that is no longer used in the sport if we even call it quidditch still because i have not really been in the loop for a good while um but occasionally when quidditch is back in the news people ask me about it and so kind of like making up as you go along trying to find you know where are we going to store this stuff you know who has a dorm room that has like a vestibule outside where we can put all these hoops and so i'd say the thing that was challenging to start out is you know getting that and also the funding to get to all of this to not like have it come out of your own pocket to go to home depot and get all the pvc pipe to build this stuff and buy brooms or whatever you were buying um which we did eventually from alavans um who i assume is like no one in the quiz world has heard of anymore um but um because those were like designed as like things you would put on your wall not like replica harry potter things not things you should actually run around with in like a full full contact sport so i'd say those are the things that were challenging that come to mind I'm sure there were others. And the things that we were good at and why I think Tuskwidge is still around is that we were very creative in dealing with these problems and, you know, finding the dorm room, finding some funding, soliciting donations, selling t-shirts, you know, the whole shebang um, to kind of get it off the ground. Yeah. So I guess moving from there, were there other, just like some of, what were some of your other favorite experiences? Not necessarily they have to be proud of but just like things that stick out to you um from your time on the team um i mean i think the the times for me and i think they're they're kind of more specific to me than maybe um i think you get a different answer from other people who are around at the kind of beginning of tufts quidditch um the i mean i enjoyed like recruiting people to Quidditch and being like, like, you know, purely people that we thought looked like great athletes, people like Emily, um, who, you know, were like kind of skeptical. And I'd like sometimes take people to lunch and be like, oh, so like, you know, what are you thinking? Do you want to be involved? And, you know, I remember having this lunch with another player, uh, Hannah Debates, um, who I may or may not still be involved in Quidditch. I don't know. I hope Hannah's doing well wherever Hannah is. It's been a long time. And, you know, like we had lunch, we sat down for lunch and I was like, you know, so what's like the obstacle you seem interested, whatever. She's like, I just don't have enough time. And I was like, well, how much, how much time do you think this is going to be? And she was like, well, I'm sure you practice like some, like she said, like something ridiculous. Like you practice like twice every day. And I was like, that is absolutely false and not possible. And I was like, you know, we practice like three times a week. And she was like, huh. And then she played Quidditch ever since. So um and i enjoyed making those connections with people and you know like getting them involved and like learning people's stories um and like what their interests were with quidditch and also outside of quidditch and and making those connections was a real highlight for me and it does remind me of actually things like that in the like the financial side i think something i was also very proud of tough quidditch going back to an earlier answer was that i really strove to make it as affordable as possible for people to be involved so like when we would go 
to tournaments that were, you know, somewhere in the region or even, you know, like the biggest thing we did was my senior year, we went to the World Cup, which was in uh, Kissimmee and Orlando, Florida that year. And, you know, making it possible where we had enough kind of buffer and funding that it didn't really matter, like exactly how much the plane tickets cost. It didn't exactly matter how much the hotel costs. Like we did the logistics, we found the, you know, most reasonable things we could and they could charge kind of like ask for something that was more reasonable. So like for, for a trip to like Long Island, we were able to like stay at one of the fa friend, a family of a player's house and like with coordinating all the transportation and the food, everything, like we were able to charge people like $40 for the weekend to do that. And like, if there, if any, if there was ever an issue, like it was always like, please talk to us. Um, and for like the world cup in Florida, I believe we charge everyone $150. And that was everything. Like that was rental cars, that was flights, that was hotels for the whole weekend. And I guess like whatever tournament fee there was. Um, and so that was something I really strove to do. I think I did a good job. Um, but uh, to really not have finances be a barrier to involvement in Quidditch at Tufts. Yeah, I think you did a really good job with that. I don't feel like I, at least that year, felt like it was an undue stress. And I think it's also something we tried to carry on after you were gone. Like we found that program that Tufts has where you can like, if you have, if you're on financial aid, like there's a way for you to apply and then the Tufts will cover most of your costs. Mm -hmm. And that's something we'd always try to encourage our players to sign up for. Yeah, yeah. Also love getting driven around by your dad at Kissimmee. Quite the quite the gentleman. Yeah, I still. You driving over a median is still the most scared I've ever been in a car. Like a, what kind it's, of median? Like a physical, like median in a, like you drove, you did a U-turn, but instead of going, like doing a U-turn around the median, you went over the median in a ten-passenger van. It's got good clearance. You do what you need to do. And I will say for the record, Orlando is a terrible place to drive because you cannot make a U-turn anywhere. They have, they have for those of those of you from New Jersey, they have jug handle turns. And so, and if you fuck it up somehow, you just like can't turn around for miles. It's the worst. So how would you characterize the Tufts Quidditch community during your time there? I feel like that's kind of like a loaded question. It's like, uh, how do you feel you did a, at making a good community at Tufts Quidditch. Okay, would you like me to rephrase the question? No, no, I just did. Um, uh, well, I mean, so I would say that two things are interesting. One that during the four years of Tufts, so 2009, 2013, um, like the sport of Quidditch went from like kind of somewhere between, you know, some folks who had played high school athletics you know, this is really before most club teams or that were, you know, club teams filled with people who had played Quidditch in college. And so it was a different environment. And gradually over those four years, it went from, you know, a hand, some people who had played high school sports were athletic, some people who were just like really loved Harry Potter and just like a mix of that, those two overlapping, but sometimes disparate groups to definitely more of what it is today, where it was like, you know, people who are athletic, not people who just loved Harry Potter. And so that 
change was really interesting. And I think we were able to keep some of the like more fun aspects. Uh, not that Quidditch isn't fun today. It's just like a little more, more serious. Like people want Quidditch to be taken really seriously as a sport and that's fine. Sure. I don't care. Um, but like, you know, we were able to keep some of the like fun aspects that we kind of had at the beginning, like through all four years and have fun with each other and, you know, like be, I think, as inclusive as possible in terms of like who we could keep kind of around Tufts Quidditch and, you know, kind of the, the different ways I talked about earlier, you know, the kids program, the intramural and the traveling team, et cetera. Um, and so I think that was always the goal to be kind of as inclusive as possible and welcoming and I don't know, have a good time. You spend a lot of time with each other. So um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, that's what I'd say. Yeah, I think my time at Tufts Quidditch was like the first time I feel like I truly felt fit in on a team. Like I'd been on teams before but it always kind of felt like I was tolerated because I was decently good at sports, but not like truly welcome. And then I got to like Tufts Quidditch and it was like, wow, all these people genuinely like enjoy my company and would like me to be around and are asking to spend time with me. So what is like a team is? What? And it was, it was just really wonderful. Like, I'm so glad that I, that first that Tufts Quidditch exists. So shout out to y'all for that. And then just the fact that I got to be a part of such a wonderful community was like truly delightful. So thank you for being a part of it, Howie. You're, you're gonna maybe cry, Emily, you're welcome. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I honestly, think like you know I can say that like I tried to make that happen and I did but I think it's also a testament to like I don't know if you could like flash on the screen now like the list of all of the like seniors who were around for all four years of Tufts Quidditch who I think were also a big part of you know making that culture happen and um, you know making it a really fun inclusive welcoming place. So what is a tradition at Tufts? Quidditch that you really love? There's a number of things, I guess. The thing that comes to mind is, is Quidependence Day, which I don't know if it's still celebrated, you know, I hope so. But basically, originally Tufts Quidditch was like, when we got a budget, it was like within, like, like it was, we were within the like fantasy group at Tufts and then within a subgroup of the fantasy was like the Harry Potter Society and then below that was us. And so whenever we wanted to like spend money, we had to like go get like the approval of like the head of this Harry Potter Society who we didn't really know. And I think maybe also the like person in charge of the fantasy thing, but I don't know about that. So it was like this big hassle and it was always this process and you know, I don't know, like the bureaucracy of like student treasurers who like thought that they were really important, but like, this is not important. 
and you know and making sure that we were like really spending this money right like sure sure that's important and, and the first treasurer we dealt with kate de Klerk, who i also hope is doing well wherever she is was great and helpful people after that were not as helpful in any case um so i think it was my sophomore year or my junior year we finally got them to make us our own organization with our own dedicated dedicated budget and a bigger budget and everything. And I think that was sometime in November, I think maybe November 8th, 10th. I don't know, Emily, if you know. But but so that we declared Quit Dependence Day because we were finally independent from the Harry Potter Society. And we're our own group. And we created a fake constitution that we made to look like old, like we burned the edges of this like piece of paper and like spilled tea on it and all this stuff and and we had a party and I think we had a party every year after that and um so yeah that was that was fun and I don't know if it still happens but I'm sure there are still some fun things that happen with Tufts Quidditch that are great. So our next guest on the podcast is Michael Saunders Valdez, who started playing Quidditch for Tufts in the fall of 2010. Um, he played beater, and while he never formally held a position on the Tufts board, he was definitely the social captain of the team. Um, after graduation, he went on to play for QCB and the Warriors. Uh, before spending a couple years abroad and returning to New Orleans where he played for Baden Rouge and Gulf Coast Gumbos. He has also been on the New Orleans Curse for the last five years and also was the coach for two of those years. Um, he has one cat, Electra, who is very sweet and has a birthday coming up in July. So hi, Mike. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, uh, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be on, um, though I do have one clarification. Oh, Te so close. Technically, I was the intramural coordinator, so I was on the Tufts board at one oh, point. Yeah. <laughs> for the most successful season of intramurals that we've that, had <laughs> that was a fun one we should definitely talk about that season could you just start us off by talking about how you ended up playing quidditch at tufts um and yeah what what drew you in how did you get roped into playing quidditch <laughs> so honestly for me it was kind of a right place the right time kind of situation um that got me first interested because like the the tough squidish team used to practice on the field that was right outside of my window so i would see them like every saturday just out there running around looking a little silly but also looking like they were having a blast um and so i convinced one of my friends to come try it out with me just to be like you know oh i'm in college i want to explore everything try everything out so uh yeah i dragged a friend along uh they i want i played beater because um it looked like it involved the least amount of running which was true back then but <clears throat> has since you know it's no longer the case for sure um 
but yeah um the thing that really kept me going though was just like the people um the the tufts quidditch team was always just so fun and like so welcome so welcoming from like the very first day that i met them um and yeah i just made some really fast friends just immediately um and i kept coming back every week and playing with them yeah so do you have any proudest moments from your time at tufts i'm glad you gave me <laughs> the alumni option because it this is kind of like maybe a little weird answer to this one but I think my proudest moment at Tufts was the, or of Tufts, was the year that they actually um, knocked my team, QCB, out of regionals in the semifinals, um, and then went on to win regionals, beating the NYU team. Just like watching that Tufts team grow from like all the players on that team, I had seen them from when they were freshmen and like just watched them develop as players. And like our, this kind of like the story of our team at the time had been like, we were every year just doing like slightly better and like slightly better and like slightly better and to finally see them like push to that level that we all knew we could reach um in that regional tournament was just so good to watch especially you know tufts had played qcb multiple times that season and had always just fallen short and so then to like finally have it all come together and like knock us out the like uh the uh you know the bully club team playing against college kids um it was kind of amazing, <laughs> even though, you know, even though I was on the losing end of that, but still, it's great to watch. I will say that game is a classic. It's so good. Like the amount of, again, I am biased. <laughs> I was on this team, but I think it was that instance of, first of all, like showing how important, like having a non-playing or having someone on the sideline who like, makes the choices is really important because like ethan was straight up like qcb hasn't caught a snitch all year let's have them catch a snitch and so we just like made the decision to not try and catch a snitch until we were in range and then greg bento comes through clutch af and beats qcb um it's a all-time top <laughs> memory. Great time. I will, I will also say one of my favorite moments in Quidditch happened in that game when me and Greg Bento had a little kiss and then had to ask, like, is this allowed in, by the rule book? Like, are we breaking any rules here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, the pants of friends make out on the sidelines. <laughs> I want to say the Emerson contingent. Definitely. Uh, was also a classic. Also, side note, I have found the film from that. So if we want to rewatch it, buddy, we can. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Incredible. Um, so I guess going back, um, I guess this could include other alumni moments too, if you want. But um, what were some of your, just like your favorite experiences from your time with the team um, as part of the, the Tufts Quidditch program, whether that's playing or just like hanging out with people on the team. Um, yeah. Um, so I guess in a, in a general sense, just like the Tufts was always such like a fun team. Like we were always just doing 
silly fun things like it wasn't we were you know we wanted to be competitive but we also wanted to just be friends and like hang out and do like just fun cool shit um we were always like climbing trees um and like playing this game possuming where you like drink a bagged wine in a tree until you you know feel like it's not safe to be in a tree anymore and climb back down <laughs> um and like catching apples on forks in the dining hall and like throwing the fork and then you catch it on another fork and you toss it around like just silly things like that um catch the greased up person yes catch the greased up person uh just such fun silly things that we were just doing um but on a like a couple more specific things though also uh one of my favorite things was making a matchmaking service for the yule ball uh, we used to have like an annual Yule, Yule, uh, Yule ball in the uh, at the end of the winter semester, um, or I guess at the end of the fall semester. And yeah, I think that's a tr tradition that still goes on. But um, so I made a matchmaking service and then convinced everybody that I was just doing it to like find the perfect match for myself. But it was also a legit thing. You know, I was pairing people up. Um, it was actually really difficult because way more um women signed up than men and then I had to kind of like give people multiple dates and be like hey would you like to be in a nice little triad <laughs> um but then also that was also a cover for me as I elaborately did like sent like mysterious cryptic messages to the person I actually wanted to ask to be my date like starting from before the season even started and it was this whole elaborate ruse that like I don't even know where like I don't know where that energy came from I don't have that energy anymore <laughs> <laughs> we are old no that was a fun Yule ball uh, was that one where Greg had two dates I know there were multiple where Greg had two dates <laughs> that, I think that was the first one yes <laughs> also if anyone is interested most of these Tufts Quidditch Yule Balls pictures are on the Tufts Quidditch Facebook page oh my so god no oh my god <laughs> anyone is feeling like Hmm, I wonder what it was like. You can relive it by going to Tufts Facebook. <laughs> Put some faces to the names that we're throwing out. <laughs> no, and I, I will say, I think a lot of that, like those fun games really came from you and your year. I know, I think you were like a junior when I joined the team and I feel like you and also BJ really like imbibed that sophomore year, like when you guys were seniors, that's like sophomore year and freshman year, team people with like just a love of games and a love of being silly and a love of doing silly things like climbing in trees and apple <laughs> fork. Also, if no one, if you haven't played apple fork, it's, like, it's a great game. All you need is some forks and an apple and it's so fun. Um, so I think you were honestly a really big part of like that creation of that joy and like silliness. And then also just like, I want to shout you out because I think you were also a really big proponent of like having Tufts Quidditch be social with other Quidditch teams. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think you were a very big part of like why Tufts and Emerson started hanging out and then Tufts DCB and just like kind of the really like supportive United Boston Quidditch community. I think 
you were really, really integral in creating that. And I think that's something that has carried through over the last 10 years is that like the teams in MQC like hang out and like each other. And that all started because like you had a basement in Theta Chi where we could all hang out. <laughs> so uh, that I'm so touched to hear you say that. Like, thank you so much. I can't take all the credit. You know, there were so many people, just so many fun and interesting people in that Boston community scene um, that deserve shout outs like um, Leanne Dillman and on Tuff specifically, Rose Eisenberg, who kind of like was the social person who passed the torch down to me. <laughs> um, yeah, there was, it was, yeah, I mean, it also, I think, helps that uh, Boston is such a great, like, college town, so it was just easy to, you know, meet up with people and have fun social events. Yes, it does make it easier, especially when people are definitely sober and definitely can not have to drive because of the team. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we never supported any kind of underage drinking and we only drink responsibly <laughs> um so we've kind of touched on this in some ways but i will ask it uh, as well how would you characterize the tufts quidditch community both as a player and an alum um so i think the biggest thing that pops out to me for Tufts, it was when, while I was there, and I think even now is this has always just been such a, a warm, welcoming, like open team. Um, like to the extent that at a lot of schools or a lot of programs that I've seen, like people who aren't playing on like the competitive team are just kind of like non-existent. But at Tufts, there was always, you know, these other people who wanted to be a part of the community, maybe didn't really have an interest in competitive play, but still like liked being around and like would find other ways to like incorporate themselves into the program um, and to enrich the program. Um, and like, yeah, I think that just came down to like the the very welcoming environment that was cultivated from the very, very start of, you know, the existence of the program. Could you possibly elaborate on what some of those other things are and talk about the intramural league that you were the coordinator of that I forgot about. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so I guess I'll start with the intramural league. Yeah, we always just had, um, you know, a bunch of extra players or people who, you know, wanted to play sometimes but weren't super invested um, or also you know, at that time, we might not have had the roster space, but people who still wanted to play that didn't make the roster, uh, just because we were, you know, getting fairly big turnouts at our, uh, our uh, recruiting recruitment events. Um, so we decided to start an intramural league, which uh, went on for a few seasons. And so we had a, a bunch of different iterations. But when I uh, took the position, I was kind of like, why don't we just let people create their own teams? Um, we'll have like an open team for anyone who like doesn't want to try and find their own team, but then we can kind of encourage everybody to like reach out and bring people who maybe wouldn't normally play Quidditch into the into the fold as well. Um, and it ended up being, I think, a really successful season. Um, I'm not just saying that because my team ended up winning. You know, I may have stacked the rigged. rosters a little bit. <laughs> it was rigged. 
but like it was really fun. We li we literally had like two teams that were mostly comprised of random like fraternity guys who like their you know their brothers had just convinced them like oh just play this goofy sport like once a week or once a month like when we have a, a game um and it yeah it just created like a a, a more chaotic kind of like the like side thing from like the the competitive quidditch team that we would normally be doing um and it kept quidditch kind of like fresh and interesting at least for me and i think for a few other people on the team um but so then beyond the intramural stuff we also always had just a few kind of like players who were very involved in the logistics of keeping things running you know um people who would be the the team managers um the informal team moms who would come to tournaments and always have snacks and stuff but then in a more formal role like the people who you know were committing as much time as the people who were playing in the tournaments and like going to the practices um just on the you know scheduling our flights or like get, finding our transportation or um, coordinating where we're staying and all those other like smaller things that are just so important and keep a team moving well that you know a bunch of college students who are also committing all their time to playing quidditch might not want to do yeah yeah i i love our co-managers so much they're all incredible um i also want to talk about the other thing that i think we did that was really cool which was our kidage program um, which was yes. set up before um, it was actually we won an award for it uh, we won like the very first USQ award for like community service for partnering with the Middlesex Boys and Girls Club and every Friday uh, people from Tufts the Tufts Quidditch community so this is both players on the teams and those people involved in other ways basically drove to Middlesex community um Middlesex Boys and Girls Club and played Quidditch and taught them how to play. And it was the first volunteer role that I had in Quidditch, technically. <laughs> we really got you uh, got you in early and uh, got you committed, huh? Yeah, it was, oh, me always figuring out who would drive the van because I refused. <laughs> <laughs> so. But no, it was it was just a good time to like kind of just watch children play Quidditch, which is always really funny because they just like fling the ball as hard as they can, which doesn't always work very well. <laughs> so oh, and we cute. had these tiny little brooms too that were like Quidditch brooms. Incredible. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is definitely a tangent, but uh, we had a similar kind of thing set up at for at least one of, I think two of the semesters I was there. We partnered with one of the elementary schools uh, near Middlebury, and we, we hosted Kidditch every week in the spring. Um, and we quickly learned that we could no longer use the wooden prop rooms that all of the kids really liked because they started hitting each other with them like bats. <laughs> <laughs> we, we immediately decided oh, to switch no. to pool noodles, which are much yeah. less dangerous. <laughs> yeah, that is always the struggle with children. Um, <laughs> It was an adventure. <laughs> so what are some things that you feel like have helped contribute to the Tufts Quidditch program? Um, I guess the really the big the biggest thing is just kind of like um, the people. And I guess this kind of touched on the things we were talking about before, but there was just such a strong like organizational background for the, the club 
Um, and then going forward, you know, we always had so many hands on deck, you know, including non-playing members who, you know, wanted to stay involved and were, you know, taking an active role in making sure that the club continued to run smoothly. Um, and I think that in and of itself is just because it was such an, an open and welcoming environment. Um, so yeah, I think the people really made make such like a huge difference for the program, which, you know, it's such a flowery and generic answer. But even to this day, if you look around at Quidditch, the Quidditch landscape now, like Tufts players have have like gone on and done so many great things and like um, contributed to so many uh, great organizations. And I, I, I think that's just a testament to, you know, the quality of people that the Tufts Quidditch program has kind of put out. Um, like Emily, for instance, who is a co-host of this podcast and the one of the most significant volunteers in all of you know usq and mlq um hey i quit usq That's... yeah but you still did so much for them <laughs> so um yeah and like ethan who you know didn't technically start off playing um for tufts but still has been while at tufts went on to you know create the eighth man and create mlq with you know heavy heavy help from or you know with or assisted amanda dallas in creating mlq but anyway the way um, i like to think about it is ethan had the idea and dallas yeah. made it happen like that's definitely <laughs> you're yeah, so right that on that <laughs> so what are some things that you would like to see improved um in the tough quidditch experience so this is was this one's kind of hard for me to answer just because I've not been, you know, a member or, you know, involved with Tufts Quidditch in any way. I've just been a fan from afar cheering them on. Um heartbroken when they barely lost that semi-final oh my god game <laughs> and nationals you could if you go back and see the the live stream comments, I don't know if they still exist, but <laughs> I'm all up in there. Um but I guess I would say the one thing I would like to see changed is I want some sick new jerseys. Like I, I like the the current style. I think they're really cool. But I'm ready for something something new. Mm. Yeah, I also said give me more Tufts Quidditch merch. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, I, I want some there. like. <laughs> I want some more tanks. <laughs> uh. So, our next guest is Ari Panzer, who played Beater for Tufts Quidditch from 2014 to 2017. He also was a co-manager for two years and has helped out in the Boston Quidditch scenes in a variety of different ways during his time there. Um, he doesn't currently have any fluffy animals, but his housemate has two giant lizards, one Argentinian tegu named Marvin and one Savannah monitor named Hank. And yeah. Hi, Ari. Thank you for so much for coming on to our podcast. Hi, Emily. And thanks for having me. Really excited to talk about uh, my time at Tufts. Yeah, I mean, I guess just to kind of jump us right into that, um, how did you end up playing Quidditch at Tufts? Um, and what was that experience like? Yeah, so I uh, I was one of those people who got uh, was brought into the Quidditch scene by, by a good friend. So I lived in the same freshman year dorm on the same floor as Brendan Haley, who was a keeper for Tufts Quidditch. So in 2017, 
And he got involved our freshman year in 2013 and kept telling me like every week, he'd be like, oh, we have to have this murals, like you should come, you should come, it's fun. People are great, it's fun, people are great. And I had had some research prior and I wasn't feeling so confident in it. It was full content. It's like, I don't know, that's such a good idea. Um, but finally, like the end of the year, I was like, okay, like fine, go to the intro to Quidditch event that Quidditch hosted every fall uh, when the, the new crop come in and they'd start the recruiting. So I, told him, I will come next year. Just um, partly to just shut him up because I was like, all right, enough already. But also because I was kind of intrigued. So fast forward to 14 and I got to intro to pitch. He was right. It was a, uh, just the game itself. Is, I, I had played baseball when I was younger. Oh, I, I enjoyed throwing things. And so I <laughs> enjoyed the theater position. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was a fun environment. It was a fun, like, you know, clearly there was competition. This was, this was a competitive sport and people really cared about it. Um, but at the same time, people were just having fun. Everybody was smiling and laughing. And I was like, yeah, this seems pretty awesome. Uh, so I decided to try out the team. Try out and I'm making the team. And that's how I evolved. And that lovely, became a really good friend. You know, it was just, it was one of those, I look back now and I'm like, what would my have my uh, my college experience have been like without Tufts Quidditch? Because I've made a lot of time doing a lot of Quidditch related things. Um, but yeah, it was it was very much just kind of wrote me in, and I, I was sold. Yeah, you, you like mentioned that there were a lot of fun experiences. But what were some of your favorite experiences from your time on the Tufts Quidditch team? <laughs> yeah, how uh, <laughs> how much can I uh, can I open up about that? Um, <laughs> you follow your heart, bud. <laughs> so for me, the, the, my favorite parts of Quidditch always were the car rides. I think because you know, we're, we're driving to a tournament and just stepping back and going like, okay, we are, the, the school is paying for us to rent cars and drive ourselves you know, hundreds of miles to go play in a Quidditch tournament. Like that in itself is just something that like is an incredible statement and like, here we are, six undergrads driving ourselves, and we have nothing but time. Um, and that was when I really feel like the relationships grew. Um, and we really got to know each other. It goes back to an old game that Howie, uh, Howie would always play. Um, of hot seat, just to you now put somebody in, uh, in the hot seat and just ask some questions. And like, they kind of had to answer. Um, and like, I mean, they could choose not to, but. So you really got to know people on a deep level. All right, that's probably most memorable for me. Uh, maybe there are two of them. One was my first tournament that I traveled to. It was Oktoberfest in 20, since 2014. Um, so we drove down, and this was my third or fourth week on the team. Um, and I had no idea what I was doing. Like, you know, <laughs> very much did not understand the game. I was just trying to keep my head above water and not make too many mistakes in the very, very, very limited minutes that I was getting. Um, but we go down to Oktoberfest, and I mean, the, our team was very good at it. Um, kind of debates, like with my stack. And we, we had a lot of, and we go down, we end up winning the tournament, beating Maryland in the finals. That I think was pretty unexpected. Um, and that car ride back, we're like trying to get back to touch. It's supposed to be about a 
four hour drive from Hofstra. Um, and uh, we ended up getting back in like three, maybe three hours and 15 minutes because we were really trying to get back before everybody, including the driver, sleep, uh, which would have been bad. Um, and so we're also trying to blast the radio with some music. And we were like riding high after this victory, we're driving back, and there were like four songs on the radio. No matter what station, it was like Fireball, All About That Bass, Shake It Off might have been the other one, maybe it was Blank Space, whatever it was. One of the two So we, if anybody's seen like the How We Mentioned Mother episode, where they go back and forth, I Will Walk 500 Miles, and it's a car ride where that's the only song that oh, yeah. And they're like, <laughs> go back and forth between just like jamming out and then just like, stone face you know, upset angry that that's the only thing like that's sort of what the experience was they were just like jamming out and they were like oh my god is there anything else it was just this, this incredible experience of being with these people who i did not know that well at the time and you know basking in the the glow of of the first i was that emily correct me if i'm wrong here but i think the first tournament that tufts had ever won um correct and, that know, is. i'm just like yeah like wow this is this is life like i just played my british tournament one and you know and, and then just all these wonderful people and we're jamming out and it was unbelievable and that sort of set the tone for me let's say the other fun really memorable car ride was senior year going to regionals but uh played day two to qualify and you know, we ended up pulling it out and just that car ride back being three years two years two and a half years older whatever it was at that point being a leader on the team and getting a ride back with freshmen and have them kind of experience that and seeing how, how much growth put myself and the other seniors in the car had, had and kind of pass that along. Yeah, I will say like the way Tufts Quidditch did car rides was always such like, it just made you feel warm and it made you want to stay awake. Like I'm at the point where I can like stay up for an entire car ride just asking people questions about their lives and like learning about them and I think it's one of those things that like I've carried past Tufts Quidditch that really has helped me get to know a lot of people who maybe I might not have gotten to know as well it's it's a great tradition everyone should do the question game you just ask questions and if you want to answer it you do and if you don't you say it's okay I don't want to answer that question I mean I think this ties really nicely into the the next question which is like, how would you characterize the Tufts Quidditch community? And I mean, based on kind of those experiences, like, are there ways within that that you would kind of fully more characterize, like, what that full community was like and, and how it evolved? Yeah, I think it's a really hard community to describe in, like, a few words, a few adjectives, because it was more than, like, it was more than a sports team. It was more than a club. It was more than social had elements of all of these and it, it went back and forth and each year it was a little bit different too depending on who we had kind of years on the team and what they were hoping to accomplish and i really think that it comes back to I mean, like you know it's it's something that for me the way i saw it was this was a group of people that cared about each other and were there for each other you know, it's my senior year when we were managing, we kind of came to this realization all of a sudden of we had a lot of seniors and we had not many uh, juniors and sophomores, just, just, you know, tough recruiting and a few other things that 
led to kind of some smaller classes and we were kind of sitting there going into our senior year going, we better have a good recruiting class because otherwise what's going to happen with the future of this team? It's maybe up in, up in the air. And we kind of sat down and we're like, well, how do we make sure, how do we make sure this team is here? And we kind of came back to what's the point of the team? And sure, the point of the team is to play Quidditch, Quidditch for a team to play, to compete. But really what we are is we are a space where people may not have a place to go or may just kind of want to, you know, meet some cool people and, and play a fun sport. And we were a, a, a group that served many purposes for different people. And I think that was the most, that was one of the best parts about the team is that we offered, we offered a lot for different people. And so whatever, whatever someone needed, I think we could kind of deliver. For a lot of people, this was their closest friend groups. For a lot of people, they came, they played, and then they went off and did their thing. Some people came and stayed just for the friends and didn't even play. Some people, where they were on that competitive team apps. So I, we joke about it, especially that senior year. Like, you know, the mom and the dad of the team or the parents of the team, like the kids. And like, but I, I think it came from a place where we really did feel like a family. So what is a tradition from Tufts Quidditch that you really loved? And this can be anything you define as a tradition. <laughs> yeah, oh, there's so many good ones. I, so I, I think probably my, one of my favorite traditions would be, ah, okay, so, so there are two that I'll go with. One, one that's kind of tournament related and like um, competitive game related, it's not. The one that's competitive game related is a hype train. Um, mm, and Emily, mm-hmm. you may have to jump in here and tell the story of how it started because I came in and it was already there. Um, so if you want to start uh, and kind of explain where that came from. I don't remember Do exactly remember? where. I will ask Howie and or Mike because I think it started, I feel like we did it my freshman year, so it would have been around. But basically the hype train is where you everyone's down, they're down for brooms up, they're down their knees, and before the ref starts the game, the whole team runs by and high fives everyone who's out on the field, and it's just like you go around twice, you're as loud as you possibly can, and then you go off. Um, and it's very annoying for refs, kind of slows the game down, but it's just like a way <laughs> to kind of pump up the teams as they go. So The reason why it was... Probably for me, one of, one of my favorite things that we do. One, because I thought it was hilarious and silly. And like, you know, it was a great way to, to remind ourselves of like, yeah, we're here having fun as much as we are also. Um, so it kept things a little bit light. So um, while there, uh, Brendan Haley, who's one of my friends on the team, would be the one to usually hype trade. And there's this one time um, that you know, I made it at Nationals and we were going out there. And he starts to tell, it always starts with a story usually. And it's something along the lines of, you know, do you hear a train coming or whatever? And everybody gets loud. It's like, oh, whatever. And this train has no brakes. And then we go. Um, it, for anybody who knows the story of Tufts mascot, Jumbo, Jumbo died, was hit by a train while trying to, to move one of uh, like a baby elephant or some of the train tracks. Hopefully I didn't butcher that story too much. Sorry, Tufts. Um, uh, but essentially, we can jump in, Emily. 
I'm just going to say, so like the kosher version of the story is that <laughs> he was pushing Tiny Tim off of the tracks. <laughs> the uh, less kosher version is that he was drunk and he stumbled onto the tracks and got <laughs> hit by a train. <laughs> so. Oh, boy. So Brendan starts getting up there and he starts telling the story of Jumbo and it ends with the train hitting Jumbo and he shouts, because this train has no brakes and it was the hype train. And we just go. And we're all just like stunned and laughing hysterically. And we're supposed to start this game. And I don't know, we must have given up like three goals in the first minute because we were all just like so lost with uh, with laughter. It was great. But it's just, it's those experiences of like, you know, being with friends, keeping things light. Uh, it was something we do that, I don't know, kind of miss it. And hopefully we'll be able to, to see a, a tough experience. So... I mean, I guess we've touched on this a fair amount, um, but are there things that you haven't talked about that you think have helped contribute to the Tufts program um, and its successes, both just like in its in its existence and culture, and then also in like its competitive um, success too, and that balance? Yeah, so I think I think a lot of it has to do with the willingness of the program people who take the, the leadership burden, being willing to kind of set aside largely like their own goals. Um, they want to do things for kind of what is best for the team. Um, I think that's something that a lot of clubs struggle with, like a lot of teams struggle with. How do you grapple with? And when you have people who want to be more competitive and want to kind of really go for it and people who want to make sure they can develop players I most struggle with, with balancing. Anything what Tufts has learned and gotten a lot better at, and they're certainly better at it now than we used to be, to balance that. Um, and I think it really comes back to you know, recognizing what's going on with the team, kind of taking the pulse of where do people want to go, how much time do they want to put in to training, to, to really trying to be uh, the best from a competitive perspective. Um, while also recognizing that, like, we're all students. We all have a lot of other things going on. And Quidditch is just one aspect of what we do when we're in college. Academics and other extracurriculars and making sure people can dedicate time to these other areas of their lives as well. I think it's something that Tufts got a lot of for the last several years. And that's really helped, helped the program and it's helped people feel like they don't have to choose between Quidditch and other activities, and they can do both. There are ways to be involved. Maybe it means they aren't coming to every single practice and every single tournament, and, and that's okay. Um, but I think that's really helped the program, you know, maintain a high, high attendance rate, which they have people who are dedicated. And of course, you have the people who are like, it is the thing. And that's awesome, too. We've always had like those core group of dedicated people who feel they, they kind of have that sense of responsibility of like, oh, th this team doesn't just happen. Like, there's a lot of work that's And each generation of Tufts Quidditch has had those people who have come in, who've taken on that work. And anybody who's ever co-managed that team, captain that team deserves a huge shout out for the amount of work they, they have to solder. Stuff that goes on behind the scenes that lets everybody else just come in and have fun and compete, not to worry about logistics, not to worry about all this other stuff.
next guest on this episode of the podcast is Finn McGargan, who uh, started playing Quidditch at Tufts in 2016 and played chaser and keeper there, was captain for his last two years on the team. Um, in addition, has also been on the Boston Forge in MLQ for this will be his fifth year, um, and is currently assistant coach of that team as well. Um, also has been a co-commissioner of the Massachusetts Quidditch Conference since 2019, um, and this past USQ season played for the Boston Pandas. Yeah, and while he currently doesn't have any cats or dogs living with him in his apartment in Boston, his family home has four cats and two dogs, which is a perfect amount of cats and dogs, I think, because any amount of cats and dogs is a perfect amount. <laughs> Hi, Finn. Hello. Thank you for having me. Uh, we are very excited to have you. As we were talking earlier, you were one of the first people to fill out our form saying that you wanted to be on our podcast. So we're so glad that we could make it actually happen. I'm so glad as well. As eager now as I was two years ago when I filled out the form. Truly <laughs> okay. incredible that we've had a podcast for two years. Yeah, wow. Uh, how time has flown. <laughs> So I guess just to, to jump right into the episode a little bit, um, how did you get started playing Quidditch at Tufts and what was that experience like being introduced to it? So I went into Tufts knowing that I wanted to do some kind of sport to stay active and to meet friends and to build the community. Um, I'm from Vermont originally. So Ian, as I'm sure he knows, Frisbee is pretty big up in Vermont and throughout like the Northeast in general. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. So I went to Tufts being like, I'm going to play Frisbee. It's going to be great. And I tried out for the team and it just wasn't really my vibe. Um, I just, you know, it didn't really connect with a lot of the people there. Um, wasn't as good at it, at it as I wanted to be. Um, and was just kind of bemoaning that to one of my friends one night, still pretty early on in the school year. And she was like, why don't you try out for Quidditch? There's a tryout going on later today at uh, right, right outside my dorm room. Why don't you just try it out? And I said, that's a great idea. And I went and immediately everyone there was just so much nicer and welcoming. And it just, it felt like they were really excited to like have freshmen there and to teach them this crazy sport that I had never even like considered playing before or knew the slightest rules of. Um, so it was just such a great environment and trying it out. All the seniors there were super cool and the tryout environment was also like pretty competitive. So it, it was a very interesting mix of like being super welcomed personally and emotionally on the team while still being challenged physically. And since that day, I just never looked back. I immediately bought into the team, to the sport, to the program, and it's been one of the highlights of my college career and personal life. One of my favorite things about like being at Tufts Quidditch is that like first week where you're just like introducing everybody and everything and like kind of I think over the years we figured out like the best way to like do it. Like how do you get people interested? How do you get them to come back? And like I think that's just like one of the highlights of the first year, like the first period of time playing Quidditch at Tufts is always so fun. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I remember in the tryout, there was just like a line of seniors 
who were picked two of the, like the new freshmen, one, one or two, and were just like throwing balls as fast as they could just to see what like new players reflexes were like and how their catching ability was. And I was paired with Noah Schwartz, who was the captain my freshman year. And he was just ripping quaffles at me. And it was so much fun because every time I caught one, I could see his eyes kind of light up and be like, Ooh, like, let's, let's make it harder next time. And it was just, it was, it was a lot of fun. So what were some of your proudest moments of your time at Tufts? This is such an interesting time to ask that question because it might be recency bias, but my proudest moment being involved with Tufts as an alumni at this point would be watching them at this past uh, U.S. Quidditch Cup, uh, U.S. Quidditch Cup 2022 in Salt Lake City. It was incredible. It was my first time watching Tufts as like a fan this season and seeing them make a final four run. And that game against Creighton was just so incredible in how they fought and how incredible they played the energy on the sidelines, hearing 100 people root for players that I brought onto this team and coached and mentored as much as I could have like it was just such a proud moment for me to see them like coming to fruition and absolutely running this team through a national tournament it was so proud and so amazing and I I walked up to the team afterwards after the last goal and they lost and I went up to them in the huddle and I took off my sweatshirt and I was wearing my Tufts jersey un underneath, which I brought and was very happy to wear all weekend and said that this moment was the proudest I've ever been to wear this jersey. And that's true. It's it's not a lie. I, I loved watching them. I love seeing what they did. And maybe it's a, a little colored by missing my senior year cup, but it's it, it was incredible to watch them make that run. Um, so I think that's my proudest moment as it comes as an alumni, which is strange, but it, it was it was wonderful. My other proudest moment would be as a player, um, my sophomore year when we broke the bento curse, which was, uh, there was a very long streak, I'm forgetting, I wanna say it was probably like four years or something where Tufts did not win a game at Cup. And I, I'll, I'll eat crow if I'm wrong, if I'm wrong with the number, like I don't really know, but it was a long time where we did not win a single game at US Quidditch Cup. Uh, and we broke that my sophomore year, which was very fun. And the reason why I loved it so much is because we had such a big viewing on the sidelines of alumni and just supporters from the Northeast who were just so happy for us and so excited. And there's a picture that I love of just the sideline going crazy after we won and Greg Bento's in it and he's jumping higher than I've ever seen him jump before. And everyone's just so happy for us and it was, it was a great moment as a sophomore to like get that long worked for win uh, and to just kind of have that, put that section of Tufts history behind us. So the Bento Coast curse started in World Cup 8. It was the first Swiss World Cup and Tufts was playing Bowling Green and the winner of the game would qualify for the bracket like 100% because each team was three and one and all the four and one teams qualified. I was not there because I was taking Noah Schwartz to the ER because he tore his ACL. 
we were watching this on our phone um because it was on the live stream and it was tufts bgsu and we were it was like a pretty close game tufts greg catches the snitch he is admittedly maybe a little off broom (laughs) but that's not on us that's on the refs um and so we win and we qualify and then we like make it to the bracket which is I think it was a sweet 16 or like 24. It was like the farthest Tufts had gotten in the bracket since, no, World Cup four, sorry. Yeah. And then the next year at World Cup nine, Tufts had a lot of snitch catches called off um, mm-hmm. and went 0-4 in a pool that we probably could have gotten like three and one in if our snitch catches had been called good. And then I think the same thing happened in your freshman year, Finn, mm-hmm. where you guys also had like a massively difficult pool and went 0 and 4. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We played Cavalry my freshman year. And yeah. I think Warriors were also in our pool. Yeah. It was you, Cav, Warriors, Michigan, and ISU, which is just. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was, it was a rough one. It was a rough one. Um, yeah. So yeah, being able to guys watch y'all win is always was like, finally, we did it. We won a game. Yeah. <laughs> uh, love to see it. So yeah, and then immediately going from that to the next year, making a Sweet Sixteen run was incredible, and that was like such an important building block, I think, for the program. That like the energy my senior year would have been that of this past year. Um. And it was just, it, I think that's what added a lot of emotions to it for me, especially in this past Quidditch Cup. How would you kind of characterize the overall Tufts Quidditch community? It's a hard one to characterize uh, because it's just, it's a little amorphous, but it's always very fun and very like, I don't want to say loosey-goosey, but <laughs> a little loosey-goosey um we always just try to have fun when when we play I know it's like Emerson's thing where it's like we play better having fun but I I've always said that to Tufts my my junior senior year whenever I was talking with the team and I would I would consistently notice that when we were high stress and when we were like overthinking things is when we would play our worst quidditch imaginable so I would, I would always try to get our team to calm down and like recenter. And what, what I would say would, would be, if you aren't having fun when you're playing Quidditch, you're just an angry nerd running around with a piece of plastic between your legs. And that's, that's not a good look. So it was really important for us to remember that at the end of the day, we are playing Quidditch and we are a team full of friends and that we just want to have fun with each other. And like, sure, it is a little bit more fun when you're winning, but you have to have a little bit of a starting energy to get there. Um, I think, and that's, I think the vibe of Tufts Quidditch. I think it's a team that is driven and definitely wants to compete and wants to win, but remembers the root of it. And the root of it is having fun and enjoying yourself and like making it a team sport. Like one of the reasons why I loved this Tufts team in this 2022 season is because they passed the ball so well. They knew it was a team sport and you could tell that they were jiving with each other. Like that ball would hit all four hands before it went into the hoops and it would go into the hoops in the prettiest way possible. 
So like, I definitely think that that has continued on in the way that I've seen and that it seems like each player is really there having a good time knowing that they're an important role in the team. And it's, it's, it's not a hero ball. It's not a selfish, it's not anyone beating themselves up because they think that they can do better. It's, it's just a huge appreciation of each other and of Quidditch as a sport. And I think it's one of the best environments to play in. Absolutely. Oh gosh. Did we, I mean, I guess we sort of talked about this, which is why I feel like we haven't asked this question, but it this will spark some new conversations, I think. Um, but what are some traditions that you really love from? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I purposefully held back from, from some of the traditions because there are a lot of tough traditions that I do love. Most of them are like outside of the scope of the game itself and more about like team bonding things. Um, but as I'm sure both of you know, being from the Northeast, is that each year we would have our hollow weekend absolutely ripped out from under us due to a Northeast regional championship. Absolutely, we would. And it was horrible. It was a horrible experience. And the Tufts team had a beautiful navigation around this, which is just throwing a Halloween and March party. So every year in the spring, at whatever weekend we could in March, would throw a Halloween party. And it would make no sense, but everyone would come in costumes and go so hard for it. And it was so much fun that we would just have a Halloween in March. Um, there was one year where like my whole class went as different like Vine references, if this oh. isn't dating us too hard. Yes. <laughs> it was it was so much fun. And like I have a, a great video of like David Stack and Madeline just kind of going crazy mud sledding down the back of Ren. It was, it was a lot of fun. I wish I had gone, but also it was so far away. Yeah. So ha Halloween in March was a great tradition that we kind of made out of necessity of our team hating losing our, ha our Halloween weekends and kind of adapting to that. Um, another great tradition that we have is uh, Quidependence Day. Also, like in-game traditions, the the hype train, as I've I've mentioned before, is a fantastic tra tradition. I honestly don't know how it started. I, it might have been a, a a Brendan Healy thing, but I'm I'm not super sure. Uh, but like at, once the starters go on the line, the whole bench kind of comes and gives a high five train around and goes back and does a a couple loops usually of, of high fives before before backing out. You know, if Tufts Quidditch has taught me one thing, it's uh, unorthodox ways of annoying refs, including <laughs> hype trains and fake mustaches, which I didn't know would be a problem, but apparently were for some reason. It was so annoying. <laughs> we were we were very upset about that. They had to make us take off the fake mustaches. Yeah, I was in favor for what it's worth. For for people who who might not know, um, there was a very long stretch where uh, Greg Bento was just an absolute monster when it came to having a mustache, and the teams that he was associated with while he had a mustache did notoriously well. So Nurk twenty nineteen, we had mustache Greg, and uh, met as many people who could grow a mustache were growing mustaches for that regionals. Uh, and the people who weren't growing mustaches adorned a fake mustache on, on their upper lip, which was amazing. And the pictures that came out of that during our first warm-up are fantastic. 
and the refs apparently didn't like it and make it made everyone who had a fake mustache on take them off which is really upsetting Our next guests on this episode of the podcast are Brooke and Jordan Smiley, who started playing Quidditch in the fall of 2018 um, for Tufts, were captains in 2020 to 2021 seasons and the 21 to 22 seasons. Um, Jordan playing Chaser and Brooke playing Beater, um, and both are also involved in the Boston Forge for the current season and the last uh, season as well. Um, they have many fun animals in their life. Their housemate has a dog named Pepper, and then they have two cats at home, Anna and Ophelia. Ophelia is kind of a food fiend and is very cuddly, while Anna, in a past life, was maybe a dog and likes chasing hair ties. Um, so, Jordan and Brooke, thank you so much for coming on. We're so glad you could come. Thank you for having us. We're really excited to be here with you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Um so to jump right into it, uh, how did you both end up playing Quidditch at Tufts? You can yeah. So uh, we both joined Quidditch kind of a little bit on a whim, I'd say. Uh, neither of us had played sports before college, um, and mainly we were the typical Harry Potter fans that had never played a sport and joined just because, hey, it's Quidditch. Um, and also, yeah. So yeah, we saw like all the like chalk, like you know, the chalk designs on the sidewalks around campus, and posters, and like social media stuff. And we we're like, ah, oh, we I, we have to try it. Like, there's no way we're not trying this. Uh, and yeah, you kind of just show up to like the first intro to Quidditch event, and then at that point, you're like hooked, and you don't want to leave anymore. Uh, it was just like a lot of fun, and everyone was extremely friendly and nice and they seemed like really good friends so it was just like an excellent community to get, to get involved in yeah I'd say for me at least like initially it was definitely the community that drew me in and kept me involved with the team but over time I definitely like very quickly like learned a love for the sport as well and it's just been a really great time the past four years yeah definitely one of my best decisions to join the team mm -hmm. and my time at Tufts. So. Yeah. No, I, I, I think, I feel like Tufts Quidditch, Intro to Quidditch is such like an excellent event um, because it's always, I don't, I, I don't know how y'all do it these days, but I feel like there's always such a nice structure and like so many different ways to get people to like try everything. And it's just, it's a good time. Yeah, that, yeah, know, that's definitely. It like, sounds like. I mean, I'm assuming it's probably similar to like what it was for you, Emily. But yeah, we like let everyone try every position, like you know the usual names and stuff. And we always, or at least this last year, we set up on um the res quad, which is like right in the middle of a bunch of freshman dorms. So you always get the people who like see it outside the window and are like, "Oh wait, what is this crazy thing that's going on?" And they'll come check it out. Yeah. The Red Squad is excellently placed for a, like, getting random freshmen and then also for then, like, the post-practice CARM meal. Yeah. <laughs> we didn't really do team dinners that much this year. I miss that. Yeah. Those were, uh, our, um, it was always DeWick, though, um, that we did, that we did um, throughout the year. But no, CARM right after um, intros, also very nice. 
So what are some of your proudest moments from your time at Tufts? Goodness. I mean, there's so many that I could like think of. I mean, there's definitely one that stands out and it's sure. the most recent one for sure. Um, with like nationals um, this year, um, you know, cause we made the final four and everyone played so well. And it was like absolutely an insane experience to be a part of. Um, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> that last game, it was so cool to have everyone cheering. Yeah. Um, like, you just know. hearing, like, the different chants, like, the entirety of, like, Boston and Northeast, like, just yelling. And any other us. random teams that were there, yeah, it was just really cool. <laughs> yeah. No, like, you, y'all should be so proud. Like, that, ugh, I'm, I'm still so bitter that I didn't get to watch. Like, you have no idea. Um, but it, it was such a good, like, I don't know. You guys have made and like grown that program into something such like a team that competes and it's just so fun to watch as an alumni just to be able to be like y'all just play Quidditch that's fun to watch and is pretty and nice and good and it just brings me so much joy. I guess like what were some of your favorite experiences just from being on the team um, beyond this most recent Final Four run? Oh. there's like so many that it's like difficult to pick like some of our favorites um (laughs) there's yeah there's a lot there definitely can think of some um honestly like all of the travel tournaments and I know that's like so broad but like honestly they all blur together and I don't remember what happened at which ones um I remember one time we were driving back and all of the cars left at different times but somehow but we... somehow we all met like on the road so we just like formed a line of cars and we're like driving down the highway down the <laughs> <laughs> and like what was, didn't we all like try to put on the same music or something yeah or, like I don't know like the not drivers I promise the drivers were not texting but the everyone else in the cars were like texting in our giant like you know team group chat and group me just like freaking out that somehow we all met up caravan <laughs> uh. so there's like fun times like that just like going on travel tournaments like like spending the night either at like someone's house like if that was where we were at or like at a hotel more recently like with COVID and like rules with that but just like those travel experiences really I think we're not only like fun but we're a great bonding experience for the team as well so those are always like a highlight for me and like beyond that there's also just like um oh just like day-to-day practices also can be super fun like outside of like just practicing Quidditch we also have some fun games that we like to play as a team like we have one called Scatterball which I did I wonder if Emily did you play that when you were at Tufts I, I did in fact play Scatterball yeah. uh Scatterball is a classic. Scatterball too, I feel like. So I know where I got Scatterball. Or like I think the first time I played Scatterball was at like a Southwest Fantasy. Okay. So it's like like definitely not a tough specific thing, but our team really loves it. And I just have really great memories of setting up like the broom circle and then like I'm still salty. I can explain why. <laughs> there was just this one game, I think freshman freshman year, sophomore year, 
where basically, uh, you know, you try to make alliances and then Jordan trusted me when she shouldn't have and I betrayed her. So uh, she's still salty about it. She but... promised me she'd let me like move to a new spot. And then she took the ball and just threw it back at me and beat me. And I was really sad. Yeah. Scatterball <laughs> is definitely a game of uh, sometimes liars and sometimes trust. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like otherwise, just like, even during the COVID years, because I feel like that was, like, a full year for, like, a lot of us on the team now. Like, even though we couldn't play, we still, like, had a lot of Zoom game nights, specifically, like, we had a lot of rounds among us, I think. So many. Uh, so that was also fun, just, like, keeping up the community on the team, even when we couldn't be there in person together, which is, I think, a very important part of, like, my toughest memories, just, like, of TUQ. Um the community the community like not just again just not on the just on the pitch but off the pitch as well and just having that community and the family with the team not only like do we want to play quidditch and we want to compete but we also want to have fun and in general like i'd say like we're kind of like a family on the team just like with as as cheesy as that sounds (laughs) yeah as cheesy as it sounds like it's definitely something i've used to describe the team before just because like everybody really just wants to like be friends and like support each other and like build each other up and see everyone grow as not only players but just as like a team as a whole yeah it's not like one person like oh like I need to do like xyz and like make myself better it's always like everyone wants to help everyone else get better as well as well and like I've met a lot of my best friends from like college like through TUQ like and I still talk to, like, everyone who's graduated, I talk to them. Like, not everyone, but, like, a lot of people who have graduated, I talk to, like, really regularly still, or, like, text. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's like, a fun little community, and, yeah, I don't, it's, it's a lot of fun. I love everyone so much. Yeah, and also, just, like, looking to the alumni even I'd say like TUQ in general has a very strong like Emily you can speak to this like a very strong alumni network that like just really loves the team and is always there cheering for us at like games they might be at or sometimes even just if they're not at a game in the Facebook like live stream comments so I think all of that just like goes to show how much people really love the team that have been on it there are so many people who I know because I played Quidditch at Tufts who are absolutely like some of the best people I know Um, and just some of the people I've gotten like the closest to in my entire life so um so what are some traditions that you really love and I'm really excited because I want to hear what like has stuck around versus yeah no I definitely want to hear like what um was traditions like when you were on the team too because I'm curious I'm curious so just in general some of the like first and foremost there's always Yule Ball every year the team puts on a Yule Ball in like as a fundraiser for the team but also just for a fun event that the team goes to yeah and everyone dresses up and it's really cute Um, we decorate yeah it's play fun music (laughs) (laughs) that's always a really good memory that I enjoy and Sometimes we'll make like a promo video for like to send around like on social media. The promo videos are so fun to make. Mm-hmm. 
another good dependence that's always fun um so for anyone like who doesn't know what that is (laughs) obviously um it was it 2011 i forget what year it was but eventually essentially when the quidditch team first started it was part of a club called the harry potter society and i think it was 2011 but i could be wrong they the quidditch split from that club for various reasons and every year we have a little get together parties type thing where we celebrate quid dependence and we read the original quid dependence document which is formatted to be like um, the declaration of independence um it was really fun because you know you read it and you cheer and stuff (laughs) so that's that's interesting we actually have the original um document i remember an alum like when we had the uh like alumni like zoom for like the 10th year um anniversary a couple Mm -hmm. years ago it was like during covid like the zoom the team got sent all those old documents so we do have the original some somewhere in this house i have to find it so i can pass it to the next year's um group (laughs) that's first of all very exciting that you have it but also like the transfer of quidditch equipment was always so so much because i know when i had it so much to turn over (laughs) (laughs) yeah we had like all of like the nice wooden brooms that we used as like props for yule ball and then like a couple of capes from like when capes were a thing we still have all of that (laughs) okay i'm glad absolutely still have it and then like just all like the bludgers and brooms that nick's equipment that he made you is much nicer than the old Tufts equipment that was all plastic and very very falling over <laughs> yes the, the equipment is very nice uh <laughs> appreciate having hopes that's nice standing <laughs> yeah they didn't they didn't always with everything that we've talked about whether it's traditions or just like the team itself and the community that um has formed what things do you think have helped contribute to the Tufts program and helping it be successful both from the standpoint of being successful as a team and I mean, obviously you all went to the final four this year, um, but also just in continuing to exist and get new recruits and like survive as a community in that way too. Yeah. I um, think in general, it mainly revolves just around the people that are involved with the program in various ways in many different capacities, starting with our coaches, Nick and Greg we could not be the team that we are without the two of them. And we are so lucky to have them as our coaches because they're just so supportive and also just also really understand the game and are, they make a great pair too. Yeah. Like, you know, (laughs) the the best example of this is like during games when, uh, you know, they're yelling from the sidelines, Nick gets a little um, enthusiastic enthusiastic and into the game. (laughs) Um, Ooh, Nick? start like running onto the field <laughs> to like you know uh like maybe get mad at a ref or whatever and greg just like the pull, like pulls him back and is like no like chill we're good <laughs> so yeah they make a good team um but we just are really on very very thankful to have the two of them as our coaches just because not only are they great for coaching us in game but they're also great off the pitch and also just making sure like we're good like on game days like Nick 
and especially has brought so many like Gatorades and other snacks and just like making sure we have the things we need so we're very grateful so to yeah them. huge shout out to nick and greg you guys are awesome if you're listening to this um and also just like in general just i think just thinking about the team as a whole just like then i think another just the commitment of so many people and players just not only in the past but also currently especially those who like take the extra time to be on like the board and do all of the behind the scenes planning and work for like recruitment and travel tournaments like booking cars booking flights uh making sure that we work with the like get work with the university to like get those things set up and ready to go ordering jerseys Order. you know all the all the things that come with running a quidditch team um so always internally grateful for all of the people who have done that. And also just like in general, just people on the team, both past and present, who just really want to see the team do well and see everybody on the team grow. Um, everyone just on the team is super supportive of each other. And like we even have some alumni who will come back and like help us out. And turn like uh, uh, Serena came to a practice, and like Aaron came to a practice too. But she, uh, Aaron's not a Tufts alum. But just in general, like I think the supportiveness of the community is just another big thing that has helped contribute to the way our program was able to thrive and be the way that it is. And like other captains before us too. Yeah, like Finn. Finn McGargan was a great captain for our first two years. Mm-hmm. And then Athena was captain before him. We weren't around for that. But we did but play with Athena. We did play with Athena. And which, Athena's great. Yes, I love Athena. And even all the captains before that. I think it's just... Yeah, a few I don't... I don't know who they were. Um, but... It was Noah, I think. Noah and Max before oh, right, Athena. Yeah, I remember Noah being... And then... Greg was a captain my senior year. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I I always forget like who was captain before us because like we weren't there for it. But yeah, yeah, so many Um, great people that I know put a lot of effort into the team. Um, Thanks to Nick Jablonski, our producer, and Christina Gux, who created the music featured on this podcast. Please remember, as always, to submit any questions you want us to discuss in the form linked in our podcast description. Also remember to check out the other 8th Man podcasts, the pod hosted by Kellen Cupid and Big Man Bias with Ashton Jean Lewis. Uh, thank you again to all of our guests for coming onto this podcast. And thank you to Ian for letting me talk about Tusk Quidditch with people from Tusk Quidditch because it's brought me so much joy. And thanks to you, all of our listeners, for sticking around. Sorry, we are not always the most efficient, but guess what? We do this for free, so deal with it. (laughs) Take care, everyone. (laughs)